Okay, so let's turn to Luke uh, 10. As we complete chapter 10 this morning with the uh, story of Martha and Mary that Luke gives us. We have five verses here. Three times we'll see Jesus referred to as Lord, twice by Luke and once by Martha. Verse 38, we'll begin at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That's the word of God, the portion that we will look at this morning. Let's pray. Our Father... If we truly apply your word to our own lives, we're sympathetic with Martha. There are many things that trouble. There are many things that cause worry. There are many good things that clutter. We pray this morning you would help us to see the one thing that is necessary. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're still on the journey to Jerusalem there uh, toward the end of chapter 9 as we uh, started this section uh, the first of the year. Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem, so all the way up to about chapter 19, we will be journeying to Jerusalem, Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem, of which he will not leave until he ascends to the right hand of the Father after the resurrection. And uh, here, Luke records, Luke is just as ambiguous as he always is, He doesn't give us a lot of clear pictures, but as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. He doesn't say what village. We can take John chapter 11 and know that, or or be almost certain this is the village of Bethany, a little village two miles outside of the wall, the gate of the city, right past the Garden of Gethsemane on the other side of the Mount of Olives. But Luke, in this village, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Um, He focuses on, the focus here is on one house, two women uh, who are expecting guests. And, verse 38, a, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So they uh, are preparing a dinner, apparently, 
knew Jesus was coming. Martha meets and welcomes uh, them into the house or him into a house, and she had a sister called Mary. So uh, it's a big day in a little village. Jesus and his disciples enter. don't know if this is the first time they've been to Bethany or if this might even be the same as the one, the time at, uh, in John chapter 11, which is just before he goes into, uh, the, has the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Luke doesn't really say that. There's a couple of reasons why. I don't think this is, I think this is two separate times that Jesus is in the village. But apparently, Martha's the older sister, so she's the one who is responsible for hospitality, and she's the one who welcomes uh, Jesus in. So the house belongs to Martha, according to this. In in, uh, John chapter 11, John records that the village belongs to Mary. This is Mary's village. I don't know if there's any significance there, but the house is Martha's, the village belongs to Mary. Uh, Mary and Jesus loved both Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. We, we know that from uh, again from John's uh, record in chapter eleven. In this episode, Mary is really not the focus. Of course, the Lord Jesus is the f- primary uh, focus. But uh, uh, other than she's Mary's sister, Luke says uh, she says nothing. Uh, in the text, in this passage, Luke says one thing about her explicitly. He implies another, we'll see, and Martha complains about her. And so that's what we know about Mary. And who, the inter- the, they went on their way, and Jesus entered the village, and Martha welcomed him in. Now the question is, okay, Jesus comes into the house. We know that. What about the disciples? It would be strange that they go into the village and Jesus goes one way and the disciples go another. Most likely the disciples are there with them. I don't know where Lazarus is. Luke doesn't care to comment on Lazarus right here. And that's not significant. Neither is it significant whether or not the disciples are there. Uh, but, uh, and again, trying to re- uh, tie this passage to John chapter 11 when Lazarus is raised from the dead and they go to uh, another dinner party in Bethany, we don't know. We just don't know if it's the same uh, time. But um, if it's not, and this is, Luke is anywhere near chronological, we still have ten, nine chapters to go before we get to the point of the triumphal entry in Luke. There's a lot of stuff has to happen on the way to Jerusalem in John chapter 11, in the house in Bethany with Mary and Martha, they immediately after that go into Jerusalem. So if, if this is in chronological order, he went down to Jerusalem, almost to Jerusalem, and then he continues uh, uh, ministering in between before he enters Jerusalem. Uh, we just don't know. But Luke puts it here for a particular reason. We've talked that Luke is not always chronological. He doesn't really give us any dates. He doesn't give us any, hardly anything to go on. But what Luke is, uh, he puts it here on purpose. Back in verse 21, 
as Jesus, the, the 72 have returned, they're, they're, uh, they're praising uh, the, uh, God because they were able to uh, accomplish their mission. And the, Jesus says, be sure that you're rejoicing. Your names are written in heaven. In verse 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. So he reveals the things of grace and glory to some, and he hides them from others. To the wise and understanding, he hides them. Those who are wise in their own eyes, the parable of the Good Samaritan reveals someone, some who are, uh, is hidden from their eyes. Verse 25, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Here's the one who's wise in his own eyes. He's standing up and he's challenging the Lord Jesus. Wise in his own understanding. And so the Lord hides the truth from him. Now we come to Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She is one of those little children to whom Jesus has revealed himself. And so Luke has put these two stories together here, contrasting the ones who have the truth uh, hidden from them and those to whom Jesus reveals uh, the truth to. The man, one man is testing Jesus to justify himself. Uh, uh, Mary is sitting drinking in Jesus' teaching. And that's an illustration of that verse 21 where Jesus says, talks about, or Luke talks about that. So uh, that's just kind of some background. It's the uh, Lord's sovereign choice, who it is that uh, he'll reveal truth to, and he chose to reveal his truth to this woman. Uh, and so the dinner party, special guest, much to do. And so if we look at these two sisters, again, it's, have they eaten yet or not? Can't tell. Is Martha in the kitchen preparing the meal or is Martha in the kitchen cleaning up? Don't know. But Martha's in the kitchen serving and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Seems that they've eaten, the cleanup is going on and they have begun talking and Jesus has begun teaching, but that's just a supposition on my part doesn't matter uh, of the point of the story. Uh, But we can look at these two sisters. Mary sitting in the floor or sitting at the feet of Jesus is probably in a quandary. Should I get up and go help my sister? Should I stay? (laughs) But Martha's also in a quandary. She peeks out of the kitchen and sees Mary sitting there, becomes frustrated, discouraged, what do I do? Uh, and, and so they're both in a, a quandary. Uh, what we see in verse 39 is Mary, uh, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Typically, a rabbi uh, would 
would not teach a woman in those days. Didn't say it, I won't say it never happened, but typically that, that was unusual. But of course, we're not surprised that Jesus would do something different, counter-cultural. Uh, so often he does kind of just explode our expectations and our ideas about what he ought to be doing. Uh, and, uh, but apparently Mary felt welcome to sit down. When the Lord reveals himself, he reveals himself irresistibly, right? She couldn't help but sit down and take it in. Mary made a definite choice uh, to learn at Jesus' feet. Uh, She set herself down at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. We find Mary at the Lord's feet every time we see her. There in chapter 11 of of John, uh, Lazarus has died. Jesus delays to make sure he dies so that God's glory might be seen, right? He comes into town and Martha greets, Martha welcomes him. That's Martha. She welcomes him and uh, Mary has stayed at home. She welcomes him before he comes into the house. She welcomes him into the village. Mary stays home. Martha goes and gets Mary and bring, brings her back to Jesus to, to see Jesus as he's come in. And she immediately falls down at his feet. Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus, our brother, would not have died. And the Lord Jesus is Deeply moved. John records he's deeply moved. And it's shortly after that, as they walked to the tomb, that Jesus wept. The only time that we know for sure that he wept. So he's deeply moved as Mary comes and is at his feet and, and says, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Then in chapter 12, just before the triumphal entry, they're at the house they're in the house, and Mary, uh, Mary anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes it off, but wipes the oil off with her hair. So she's at the feet of Jesus, uh, driven, if you will, overwhelmed with grief because her brothers, her brother died. Then she's uh, at his feet, anointing them with oil in deep, deep gratitude for having raised her brother. And here, she just chose to be at Jesus' feet to learn. So Mary makes this definite choice, and that's a good picture of discipleship. That's a good picture of being devoted to the Lord Jesus. I'm not sure why this is. If you really want to know why, ask Corey. Or Alan, they're studying Greek. They've, Corey has studied. Alan is studying. But in verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, in the original, who also, who also sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. There's a little and in there, and also in there, that most of our Bibles don't translate at all. 
the King James does and the New King James does. It could be manuscript for some, but the Christian Standard Bible does also. And I think it's, it makes a, a distinction about Mary. She didn't just sit at Jesus' feet to have a good time and to, to hear him teaching and let Mary do all the work. She didn't do nothing. She helped with serving, and she also sat at the feet of Jesus. She did both. Mary knew that love had to flow out of devotion to Jesus and to his word. In that sense, there's no Christian growth apart from the diet, a diet of the milk and the meat of the word, of God's word. I think about Romans chapter 10, uh, where uh, Paul is writing, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, what hinders people from calling on the name of the Lord? He says, how will they believe in him and whom, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they've never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching there's some hindrances they got to hear it got to believe it and then he says in the next verses faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of christ there's no christian growth apart from the do- from taking in god's word faith comes by hearing it comes uh, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. It remem- reminds us, those who are professing to be Christians, that we need the word of God to live like Christians. We need to know it. We need to meditate on it. We need to memorize it. We need to be saturated by it. Our lives need to be governed and shaped by the word of God, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds inside out as we hide it in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. The disciples lived their lives shaped by the word of God. That had been revealed to Mary. And so she also, she served, but she also chose the good portion, the one thing that was necessary. Martha, on the other hand, verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. Don't forget, as we look at Martha here, verse 38, she's a queen of hospitality. She's a faithful servant of God. She's just become distracted, at least on this very day. She believed in Jesus. She loved him. She counted a privilege for him to be at the house. She welcomed him in for rest, for, uh, uh, for food. Remember, Jesus had taught the disciples, if you want to follow me, it's not a, always going to be an easy ride. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. We don't have any place to lay our head down. Mary and Martha are providing that in their house for rest for this traveling uh, band of folks. But we can't ignore Martha's irritation. Jesus Jesus was a guest. Uh, Martha was tasked with hospitality. 
She gave her all to welcome him properly, and she's to be commended for her excellence in service of the Lord Jesus. You've met Martha, right? (laughs) Scurrying about at times, serving others, showing her love by making sure everything and everyone okay and comfortable. Uh, Campbell Morgan uh, from Westminster Chapel, he says, love always multiplies itself. She went to do something, and on the way, her love suggested two others. And so as she added the two others and went to do those three things, love added four more. And then as she tried to do her seven or eight things, On the way to do them, the Lord added eight more. She moved faster and faster. On the way, there's two, four, eight. So she became distracted with much serving, preparing dinner, cleaning up after whichever she was doing. Martha was serving. Mary, at this point, was listening. She was distracted. She was, if you have King James, you're saying, where do you get distracted? It says cumbered. Well, uh, she was encumbered. She was encircled. I think about Christian and Abigail's wedding when the, the lasso right, we, uh, encumbers them. It brings them together. Well, she was distracted. She was hemmed in with cares. It's a picture of being dragged Oh, this way and that way, different directions from all around over a lot of serving. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every encumbrance and the sin which so close, clings so closely Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Martha was entangled with all of her uh, serving. And her serving led to her service to the Lord had become a burden. Here's the love of God, John says that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Is it a task for you? Is it just a drudgery and chore to keep up with what God expects from you or at least what you think he expects from you? Serving Christ without first being devoted to him will cause the Christian life to be a burdensome to be a burdensome chore. Martha became distracted week into. Distracted by worldly pleasure, distracted by things, distracted by notoriety, fame. That's not Martha's problem. While preparing a meal for Jesus, she forgot the most important thing. Paul, uh, writing to the Corinthians, you know he had a mess in the church at Corinth. He had to deal with problem after problem uh, after problem. And he says, I say this to your own benefit, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. 
we can be distracted while we're working for the Lord. And so she, what does she do? She went up to him and said, she burst into the room. It's a strong word. It's a real action word as she comes in. Uh, she's standing at the doorway. You can sense her frustration. She sees Mary sitting there, and so she went up to him. She uh, stood over him. That's what the dictionary says, the, the Greek uh, dictionary says, but she, uh, it's translated in various, it's translated one time in one verse, attack. Well, she didn't attack him, but she was very aggressive. She stood up over him, confronted. It's, uh, uh, that's another translation. It's conf- he, she confronted him. She stood near him. So Mary's at Jesus' feet. Martha's, if you will. I think uh, I heard H.B. Charles say this last year. Mar- Mary's at his feet. Martha is in his face. Hmm. True service for Christ doesn't consist in what we give him in our busyness, but in receiving what he delights to give us, namely his word. So, she reprimands him, Lord, don't you care? get a picture, maybe resentment. It's what the disciples said when Jesus is asleep in the, on the lake. They're in the boat. On storm comes. Hey, don't you care that we're dying? <laughs> we're going to drown. Martha, 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 don't you care that my sister has left me alone? Kind of self-pity. Yeah, he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. Jesus cares for you. Of course he cares. But not only does she reprimand him, she corrects him, right? Tell her to do it. Tell her to come help me. She corrected him. Martha was exasperated with her sister, but she's also annoyed by Jesus. Notice she says, Lord, let me tell you what to do. Oh, if we could be consistent with our faith, right? (laughs) Lord, you are sovereign, but let me tell you what to do. For for Martha, Mary's wrong for not helping, and Jesus is wrong for not making her help. But there's a time to listen, and there's a time to meet pressing needs. Martha was not able to sort the two out. And so Jesus, in the last two verses, sort of apprises the two ladies, gives an appraisal of them. Mary displays devotion, the devotion of a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Martha displays distraction and confrontation, love without devotion. And so Jesus makes the final statement. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, You know, we see often in Scripture this saying of someone's name twice, Moses, Moses. Uh, Or Abraham, Abraham, or David, when his son 
his beloved son Absalom betrayed Absalom, Absalom. Or Jesus to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? Even Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a, it's a Hebrew uh, uh, idiom if, uh, of, of deep affection. Martha, Jesus, Martha, Martha. One thing is necessary. He loved her, according to John eleven five. He's not angry with Martha. He's concerned about her. Martha rebuked him, told him what to do, and he responds kindly and patiently with forbearance, which is what Paul says. Uh, God works that way with us kindly, patiently, with forbearance to lead us to repentance. That's a lesson for us, isn't it? You're anxious and you're troubled about many things. Are you anxious and troubled? Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Bring your request to God. He cares for you. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds when you come gratefully with your requests. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus told his disciples when he knew they were troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So he closes verse 42. The last word in in verse 41 is many things. The first word in verse 42 is one thing. He didn't say that many things were wrong. He didn't uh, say that Mary did the good thing and you did the bad thing, Martha. He says, Martha, you forgot the one thing that's necessary, devotion to your Lord, to Jesus and his word, which leads to becoming a disciple, a a faithful disciple. And then he commends Mary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Luke doesn't tell us how Martha responds. He doesn't really tell us how, he doesn't give us a conclusion how everything's resolved. He just ends with Mary's commendation. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen it. She's chosen the good part, the good portion. And again, I think it was H.B. Charles, he asked in that message last year, are you a one thing person? Or you go through life multitasking and being efficient in none. David, one thing I ask that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The blind man. You remember the blind man and, and the religious leaders trying to get him into a theological debate about who Jesus is. And he said, look, I don't know all that stuff. The one thing I know, I used to be blind and now I can see. And then Rusty read from Paul, one thing I do, one thing I do. I forget the past and I press forward toward the prize. And that won't be taken away. One thing Mary is doing will not be taken 
away. When you receive God's word, it'll remain. So Jesus corrects Martha's distraction. She commends Mary's devotion, lays their actions side by side. Mary chose the good portion, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. Mary chose to do that. She committed herself to that. Let me just say something there about that last phrase, which will not be taken away from her. And maybe just a note to parents. What you put into your children's lives of the Word of God will never leave them. They may err. They may take a detour in the Christian faith, but they cannot get away from what they know of the Word of God. And you've heard the Word of God here. I don't know how many times you've been here. Some of you have been here way too many times for me to try to count on. But what you have learned here, you'll never, ever get away from the truth that you know and you'll be responsible for it. So devotion to Christ and spiritual growth doesn't happen automatically. I'll close with a quote from uh, Don Carson. Uh, People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, grace-driven effort, People do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, and obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. You have to choose. If you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word it won't be taken from you Mary's faith was strengthened by sitting at Jesus' feet she learned the secret of growing in grace and the knowledge of her Savior Jesus Christ loving the Lord Jesus sitting at his feet and my prayer is that God would give us to know what it is to combine service with worship Not balanced, because this one thing, the most important thing, is to sit at the feet of Jesus and be taught by Him. Got to know His Word. Got to yield your life, commit your life to it, or it won't happen. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word that penetrates. The Word that, when it does, will never leave us. Father, your grace is greater than all of our sin. Your grace that shatters hard hearts and men's broken hearts. Lord, help us to be like Mary knowing 
that we can become like Martha. Father, we ask you, by your word and spirit, to make us like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.